On this last week's episode, we're going to talk about the Gears of War franchise from parts 1 to 5. Hello and welcome to another awesome episode hey. of the Last Game Podcast. Hey, so yeah, we're down one person. I'm your host, Mr. Toffee. And I'm Eccentric oh, Tom. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're it's Shafiq. me. It's Dr. me, Shafiq. Yes, here we are. We're going to talk about guns. Guns, guns. Okay, after yes, all that Borderlands love, we're going to give some Gears love. Uh, a franchise that's still around also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently still. I mean, I figured this would be like a nice time and opportunity to pay tribute to the game that made us buy 360s. Well, made me buy one, yeah. I definitely okay. agree to that. Uh, it wasn't Halo 3, it was uh, Gears 3, and also the promise for Ninja Gaiden 2. Oh yeah, that too, <laughs> yes. Sure. That was, that was a good promise. Like That was the time when Tomonobu Itakaki, Itakaki could do no wrong. Actually, he was. that was the start of the decline, I guess. I don't know. Let's not say I was kind of disappointed with Ninja Gaiden 2. It could have been a lot more, I don't know, uh, less linear. <laughs> I like the werewolves in the game. What are we talking about? I like the fantastical, Dude, crazy yeah. shit. <laughs> I mean, when you talk about one of the most exceptional games of all time, which is Ninja Gaiden Black on the classic Xbox, and how it got kind of refurbished, rebranded, and re-up-resed for like, the PS3 with Ninja Gaiden Sigma, and then we're all like waiting with bated breath for Ninja Gaiden 2, and oh, there's no backtracking, there's no zelda S exploration, it's just stage 1, stage 2, stage 3. Hmm... Feels a little maybe bit I'm a lazy. fan of the linear kind of... I mean, not lazy, like, I think they're just going for that. I can't. Maybe that's like the linearity of it. Maybe so. I mean, like, I'm also a little bit... I'm also apologize a lot for Ninja Gaiden 2 because I did appreciate the unnecessary violence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Upping the, the blood. The is important. It's a gameplay mechanic to, you know, stifle enemies. I mean, literally, it felt to me like when I played Ninja Gaiden Black, I mean, the classic Ninja Gaiden, playing the up version of the PS3 and then thinking, what could this game... What could improve this? And they're like, oh yeah, shit tons of blood splattering <laughs> everywhere. Who knew? Werewolves bled too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And since we're talking about blood, I think I want to talk about this other RPG that recently came out like <laughs> nice a few segue, days eh? back. Yeah. It's called Code Vein. Um, so Shafiq, I heard you're a big Dark Souls fan. Dude, Sekiro is game of the year this year until something overthrows it. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you, Code Vein may, n- may not overthrow that game, but it's Aww. a good diversion. I'll tell you that, it's a good diversion. So, basically, Code Vein is a game that's kind of like, basically from the guys who did God Eater, the developers from Bandai Namco, Ooh. they're just trying to take this spin on the Dark Souls franchise, but crank up the anime and the graphics up to 11, more or less. So, the whole entire world is ruled by vampires called Revenants, and they need to find a blood source, otherwise they go crazy, feral, and kill each other and turn the dust. So in order to not to do that, they kind of need to form their own groups to basically find different veins lying around, or blood trees, they call it, blood fountains, mm. scattered all across the city itself. So you kind of, that's pretty much a quest. So you play as? A vampire. one A very special vampire who can change his class anytime he or she wants. Well, that's the thing. You can actually create your own character like in Dark Souls, like a male or female. Your anime husband or wife will more or less. Okay, uh, so the most important question of all, are there any Volkswagen-sized swords you need to lug around? A lot, actually. <laughs> I believe there's a Queen's Blade, there's a giant axe, a juggernaut, 
hammered, a lot of crazy stuff basically. Like, and they actually are different in terms of like attack styles, whether they're more horizontal or vertical attacks, or whether their one night wind up times are longer or shorter. You know. I mean, it wouldn't be an anime game without oversized swords named oh, after royalty. <laughs> <laughs> Even your coats and stuff. I mean, it's not huge armor you're wearing, but you're wearing like the very fancy British coats you wear outside. Like, no, a like very like steampunkish Victorian style kind of. Uh... In a way, in a way, yeah, yeah. But how much armor there's... does it actually provide, sir? I want realism. <laughs> a lot, actually, in this game. I mean, I guess it cuts off damage from uh, like said, blunt objects, slashing objects, and elementals and shit. Yeah, anime works really fun. That's Actually, funny. yeah, if you think about it, when it comes to typical anime cosplay and I mean costumes, right? All those belt buckles can block something. <laughs> oh, they will. Yeah, or or ten things at once. Yeah, it will block your back though. So yeah, as I've learned in this game, where basically blocking, parrying, and you know dodging still very important, just like in a Dark Souls game or a Bloodborne game. Yeah, because uh, yeah, basically enemies, yeah, they they pretty much can gangbang you or just ambush you when you least expect it. The levels, of course, they're tailored like a Dark Souls game. You're going to have a lot of blind spots where you kind of need to check your camera in case stuff happens. Oh, what we call Japanese gaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But here's the kicker for this game. In Code Vein, in the story, you're always accompanied by a partner. Like, he can either be like a, a guy named Louis, who's basically like your... I think he's a fast melee guy, good defense, good dodging. Mm. And you've got like your tank character, Yasumo, basically carries a giant sword around wherever he goes. So you basically have this NPC companion who basically takes some heat for you? Like, will the enemies attack him first or do they all just go for you? Oh, they will attack him first. I think this is like the opposite of an escort game. You're being escorted by your NPC <laughs> in this case. Yeah, so whenever you're teaming up with him, half the time, most enemies will attack, it, attack him. Some of the you know leftovers will just come after you, la, more or less. You so know, basically, that's your mob. Uh, sponge right there. I mean, the mob magnet. Uh, is that the word? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, unless you're fighting a boss, which sometimes can be a bit chaotic, for the most parts, that's probably the game's biggest flaw. It can get a bit easy if you're looking for like a Dark Souls challenge. I mean, now not to say that the partner partner mode is actually mandatory. Uh, you can actually turn it off if you just talk to them, like you know, just abandon partner or some shit, like Leave them in the bay home base. Okay, but. If you want to have like a breezy time, you know, like maybe just find out what the true Code Vein experience is to the story. If you want something a bit light, yeah, just go for, just have your partner along, you know, for the ride. I mean, this sounds to me very similar to like the companions you had in like something like Skyrim. Where basically, way, yes. they just, they're just cannon fodder or arrow bait. But do they have infinite lives or do they have also the chance to just like... Oh, they... Uh, no permadeath, yeah. right? No, well, they don't permanently die. I mean, they will get knocked out and then when you die or go back to your bonfire in the game I believe it's called Mistle here okay. you resurrect your you resurrect your partner oh so here. you can literally leave them behind uh. yeah yeah you can <laughs> but but here's the kicker as well that's why it makes it easy um, your partner actually has unlimited what's the word uh, mana points or blood points in this case you know oh, okay okay ecor points they're the ones that actually use to cast spells you can get like up to 10 to 30 depending on the class you have now the thing is your partner has unlimited amounts of these so he can do his special as many times as possible. So it becomes kind of like an incentive to keep him alive because he also deals some pretty... In, in, like, he do, does deal damage, basically. Yes, a lot of damage. I oh. think Yasumo has like this uh, three-hit combo. You can't really interrupt him, which actually works in your favor. Okay. And then you get a girl named Mia. But, but she dies really fast, which means you guys need to be a tank. She's more of an offensive character because she basically just stays back and just fires a gun, her bayonet and her 
like melee missile missile attacks, you know, blitz spells. But this doesn't reduce you to being more like a support character. I mean, there are opportunities for you to be offensive as well, right? Yeah, you can if you pick the right uh, if you pick the right partner, like You pick Mia or hmm. um, the other guy, the scientist guy. Yeah, you can you, you can be a tank more or less. So, like before we continue, we need to also address what are the customizations. How can we build these characters? Oh well, we can actually start at the beginning where you can you know customize her your characters. Uh, body size, eyes, hair, everything, eyelids, eye style, lips, tattoos. So it's, it's, I think it's not it's not up to the level of Black Desert, but it's close. Here's yeah. an, here's a very important question. Then is there a boob slider? I thought there was, but I don't think there is. <laughs> yeah, really? I remember the beta had, but not this version. So what? I think there damn. was a bit of flack on that. So maybe must be all these damn feminism. <laughs> Ruining games. Okay. But at the same time, you can actually create your entirely anime character from their favorite anime because the options are just a lot, you know. Different sliders, different hairstyles, different whatever, more or less. I mean, is it Soul Calibur 6 crazy or is it... I think it's probably better than Soul Calibur, but not as good as Black Desert. Black Desert is like the apex of character customization. Who knew that half the game would be just you figuring out how, what, how far the eyes are apart, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but so another question: When it comes besides customization, are there builds or are there ways for you to add skill points or skill trees to further enhance your experience? Well, they don't actually have skill trees per se. Like every time you complete a particular boss or talk to a particular character, you get their blood code. Their blood code is basically their class. So let's just say you pick a class, uh, Mia's class. Um, she's good at range and stuff. Mm. So if you inherit, if you inherit those skills, i.e., play the play the class long enough to basically get the skills through XP, then you can transfer the skills to a different blood code or class. Okay, but is there any crafting where you can mix and match, mix and match classes to get different effects? Uh, yeah, you can. Um, for, oh, the, okay. for the class style. So basically you can have like tank skills on Mia's blood code or basically like all those missile attacks that uh, Mia has on Yasumo's blood code. So you can be a tank who can shoot out range attacks or basically have a lot of stamina. Or you can even have like, you can basically have a class that has uh, basically, you can't deal as much damage, but you'd be like the best tank ever to let your basically your partner do all the heavy lifting. So there's a lot of customization here and there. There seems to be hints of uh, Mega Man here. So you're basically stealing their skills. Well, more like voluntarily, because when you talk to your partner, if you play, if you work with them long enough, they'll mm. be willing to share their blood, which means you get their blood code. So Yasumo will give you the tank blood code, like basically high HP, but your eco levels are super low, like probably ten or so. Okay, so but it's more for like uh, basically just standing there and block. What about like the bosses? Can you steal their skills? Uh, no, not the not the funky bosses. You only can steal skills from certain bosses, like the more humanoid revenant bosses, the vampires. So the other anime characters. <laughs> yeah, the other anime characters, like the first guy you team up with in your first stage, yeah. he ends up becoming a boss after like 10, 20 minutes or so. So you get to steal his blood code. Let me guess, his uh, blood code allows you to have blonde hair now. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Blonde hair and the ability to turn a cinder to your wife and stuff. <laughs> We're doing anime rules here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got a lot of different classes. Like you got like a, a couple of tanks. You got a couple of berserkers. You got like even the range characters, spellcasters, and even the ones that are specifically meant for exploring the map. I.e., high stamina, high eco levels. But your damage level, your damage dealing is like medium lah, more or less. It's meant for running away. Okay, I see. So I mean, you got a kite here and there. I mean, it totally depends on your playstyle, and it also totally depends on the specific boss or a mob at hand. So, okay. I mean, then again, I need to ask you again because this came out this year and 
I'm pretty sure it's even though it's pretty late into the final quarter of 2019, still a bunch of guys out there still speedrunning Sekiro. So how does it stack? I think Sekiro's more like a action. How do you say? I think the better comparison is like maybe the Surge Two or even mm. all three Dark Souls and Bloodborne, which still hold up up to this day. Yeah, well, definitely. Bloodborne for me, lah. Anyway, so. But in terms of that, you're not gonna find much of a challenge here per se, because again, the partner system and the fact that some glitches here and there. I mean, I guess Dark Souls has some of that from software glitchiness. Of course, <laughs> Code Vein. It, that, there's still some of that, but at the same time, I I think I like the story here more compared to maybe all three Dark Souls and maybe Bloodborne because again, maybe I just like the whole anime and dramatic, over the topness of it all. So there's cutscenes galore too. Yeah, which are skippable, thank god. So, <laughs> Because there are bits where basically you kind of have to walk in a slow corridor in regular walking speed. Oh god. While, you know, the characters, you know, monologue. Because exposition, are, exposition, exposition. Yeah, whenever you get a character's blood coat or like their memories, you kind of have to see what their lives were like back then. Because in this universe, Revenants all lose their memory when they become vampires. You know, Revenants. Mm, so, so it's like basically some characters like Louis, they kind of want to explore their past. So they kind of need you to help them out because you're the only guy who can do that. To okay. access his memories. So, how about this? Also, in terms of content, what are the side quests, or there side missions, or anything else you can do outside of the main storyline? There is a mode called Deep Dungeon Mode. Basically, you get a map whenever you're playing the main quest. You talk to this guy named Davis. He's a military guy. Mm. He'll definitely like you talk to him. You give him the map. He'll bring you to like, uh, basically a very basic corridor-heavy area. Like you go to a bunch of the corridors, you kill the bosses, you get the keys, open up a big door, then you fight a bigger boss. I see. Like kind of like the tombs in Tomb Raider, where it's like yeah, kind of like the optional stuff with less less puzzles and more like randomly generated corridors. Okay, but is there any sense of end game? Like if you complete the game, will there be anything else for you to do? Apart from the dungeons, not much. The dungeons mm. are more for like you know just getting the extra loot you need to tackle like the main story quest here and there. But beyond that, unless Bandai Namco has any announcements, that's about it. But to be fair, the game is actually long enough as it is. Like, I think it'll take you about 30 hours or so to finish it, like the main story. Does it have difficulty setting? Uh, no, it's just one setting, more or less. Um, you know, Dark Souls difficulty so with it, a partner. <laughs> okay, so, but it doesn't ramp up anyway, right? Uh, it won't ramp up, basically. I mean, they'll find some enemies who basically have, like, ice armor. Basically, they cannot be knocked down or they just power on through all your attacks, even from your tanks, but... Beyond that, yeah, that's about it. You're just going through the story, you just want to unlock everything, and that's it. Kind of like Sekiro in a sense. Like, the, the game itself is 30 hours long, and you know, you just want to finish it. Will take end. you 60 hours to beat it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> With all the deaths, basically. Yeah. The time, it, the time you beat it in 30 hours, it will have been like 30 days later. <laughs> when, yeah. you get, when you get good. <laughs> yep, yep. So, in terms of like uh, between Sekiro and Code Vein, yeah, Sekiro is still the better game in challenge and still design. But I appreciate all of Code Vein's stuff, like uh, the customization, the story, the music, the art style. Even if it's mostly in the city itself, where it's a bunch of boring city corridors in the parking lot, there'll be like one or two areas, like the cathedral or like the ice level, where it'll be like, wow, the en Unreal Engine's really pretty, huh? You know, so make you mm. go wow. I mean, if done properly, yeah, it can be really pretty and also really laggy. Yes, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I would say this, like maybe for all you Last King fans out there, if you've completed Sekiro halfways, backwards, and every other way you can, and you just need a quick fix before the next thing, which is probably going to be like Sekiro 2, or the, is, the eventual From Software game. Or maybe Neo 2, which is like next year. Neo 2, yeah. I still wanted to get it to work properly on PC. I was so disappointed with the port. 
But there are definitely... So you have options, you know, don't just say <laughs> there's nothing else much for you to do in the final quarter of 2019. So, Code Vein, what do you think? Recommended? Yeah, yeah definitely recommended. But again, approach with an open mind. If let's just say you haven't played a Dark Souls game, this would be the best entry point for well, anyone yeah. looking for an action RPG. Okay, so baby's first Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, baby's first Dark Souls. That would be a better term with anime. Yeah, mm-hmm. anime tropes and everything. If you hate anime and you hate Dark Souls, yeah, you probably want to gonna buy this. <laughs> no, then you play Ninja Gaiden because yes. you know, like a man, sir. <laughs> so or if you're like into Dark Souls, um, I would rather you suggest getting this at half price because. I don't know if the full price can justify your craving for a challenge because mm. the game can't get a bit easy especially if you pick the right partner to help you out with everything. Mm, see, but is there like no solo mode where you can literally just like I don't need a partner for the whole time? Yeah, yeah, that's a solo mode. You can just basically, mm. you know, like just tell your partner to chill at your home base. That's but, it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, as much as I always like try to convince myself and everybody here on the podcast that I'm the challenge hit, every once in a while I do appreciate a nice walk in the park. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, and this would be a good you know, sightsee tour, you know, especially if something with a bit of a dark fantasy but a little anime kind of vibe to it. So okay. I would recommend Code Vein. Maybe about, I guess, 6 or a 7 out of 10, you know? Sure. Try. Okay. Yeah, try, yes. Give it a try. Give it a chance. Let's see. So, from the Cody veins of anime to the bloody veins of War. Here's the war, yes. <laughs> that was a terrible segue. <laughs> I think what you meant to say is from the really dull corridors of Code Vein to the really dull grey corridors of Gears of War. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the new one's kind of pretty. Okay, before we get into that, yes, this is I the official... to the first game, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, this is going to be the official last King Gears of War retrospective because, I don't know, is it an anniversary? It kind of is, right? Uh, yeah, actually, it came out around, like, September, October, like, Either October or November, usually it'll be like Year's Emergence Day. Mm. No, wait, they call it Emergence Day. I keep forgetting that. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I guess around that time, by the time this podcast is out, it's probably close to Emergence Day, like the real Emergence Day. Which is happenstance. It's not like as if we planned it or anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Much like how we released the Borderlands episode quite close to, you know, the anniversary of Borderlands 1. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Who would have thought? <laughs> and I thought we were just a rinky-dink podcast. Now we don't plan anything. So yes, before we go on our full review of Gears of War 5, there's been five of these, huh? Yes, Over five. two generations well, of consoles. Well, actually six if we count the Nobody really counts the sites <laughs> there. Nobody counts the Gears of War Gaiden. <laughs> yeah, judgment. <laughs> Nobody cares about that game. <laughs> the further adventures of Damon Baird. Nobody cares. Like, out of all the characters, he was the least interesting and decided to revolve it around him. Yeah, Everybody was. Asshole, basically. Look, whoever's working at the Gears, we still want our coal train standalone game. Yes. That guy deserves his own little adventure. Come on, work on it. Okay, uh, so before we uh, tread forward, let's go back in time to 2000. 2006. Six. That was when the Xbox 360 was in prime. It was out like maybe a f- like half a year before, like around the late 2005s, when we had like uh, exclusive like Perfect Dark Zero, Cameo, and Look, Viva Pinata. <laughs> a lot of people shit on Perfect Dark Zero. I actually like that game a lot. Okay, it has a very decent co-op. But I'm more of a Viva Piñata guy back in the day because I just sure. like adorable fuckers. I mean, whatever you could play before at Red Rings, right? Yeah. <laughs> no matter what, yes. <laughs> what, was the, what was the tactic we used? You had to put a handkerchief over oh, the towel trick? Over. Yeah, you had to like kind of bake it in its own juices and hopefully it decides to turn on again. <laughs> it worked twice and then straight into remittance. I don't know. I mean, like, okay, 
I mean, to just be honest, how many Xbox 360s did you go through? I think it was like probably two, yeah, two or three. Five, sir. I went through five five Xbox 360s. Three red ringed, and on the third one, it was way past warranty. We can't give you a new one. So I had to buy, uh, what was the the more, the slim down version called? Uh, Xbox S, Xbox Slim. I mean, there was a a 360 that was a little bit, how you say, uh, modified and uh, designed to allow better airflow, apparently. Yeah, yeah, it was the Xbox, yeah, it was a slim, it was a slim. And that piece of shit red ringed on me too. (laughs) (laughs) So, whoever's doing the hardware engineering over at Microsoft, fuck you for making me spend too much money on the same console five times yeah, okay that's crazy, man. but you know what thank god for the games thank god for the games okay. yeah if it weren't for the games you'd probably be in a hissy fit all the way through nah, i wouldn't be in a hissy fit you know but yep hasn't convinced me to buy an xbox one yet yeah <laughs> okay shot okay shots fired i don't care come on but anyway you know what that's the thing like when i heard news that gears of war 5 came out like i'm not say a hardcore fan but i do have some nostalgia attached to the gear series especially part one two and three because that was probably the last time me and my younger brother ever shared couch time playing video games before they decided to become adults mm-hmm. so this is us like at the very final stages of college and whatsoever so you know it was like i mean i look back on those days with rose tinted glasses and oh yes you know playing horde mode trying to get that one weird achievement where you need to kill two million things <laughs> what was that called <laughs> Kill them all or something. I don't quite I know, remember. Something like, like, I think it's called Are You Serious? Then it's Are You Serious 2.0 and Are You Serious 3.0. That was cute. They actually followed up with it. God damn it. Yeah. I mean, but I also want to say this. Uh, like Gears of War, I mean, despite the fact that everybody kind of attaches Halo to the system as the de facto uh, franchise or flagship brand, right? It was Gears of War that actually convinced me to get a 360. And you know what? I mean, despite the fact that the original Xbox that came before it which is a glorious machine, okay? It was basically a direct Xbox that, you know, you could modify, install Linux on and just have fun with. I mean, like, shout-outs to the guys out there who decided to put XBMC on their Xboxes <laughs> and turn yeah. it into a really badass little DVD player. <laughs> but besides that, um, like, when I saw the Gears of War trailer, I think, I can't remember which E3 was this. So it was definitely 2004, maybe earlier. Probably 2004, 5, one yeah, of those. Yeah, when it was like on that ramp up towards the new Xbox, right? And I was like thinking to myself, like, I mean, at that point of time, this is the pinnacle of graphics and action. <laughs> like, we didn't know better. <laughs> like, yeah. if, like, if I was comparing it to other games at the time, it's like, okay, you know, this Call of Duty looks kind of cool. Yeah, it looks very sci-fi-ish, you know, very space-like. Yeah, I mean, because things you also have to understand, like, there hasn't been a Doom game in a while, you know? There hasn't been any kind of over-the-top... Like a new IP, you know, from a very trusted developer like Cliff Lezinski or Epic Games. Epic Games before Fortnite, imagine that. No, nobody can imagine (laughs) Epic Games before Fortnite. It sounds like ancient history to a lot of people out there. Dude, imagine Epic Games... Remember Epic Games before Gears of War? What were they yeah, doing? Yeah, like the Unreal or the Jazz Jack Rabbit days. Yeah. So on like, One Must Fall. I mean, well, On One Must Fall. <laughs> we should do an entire episode based on one of the dumbest fighting game ideas of all time that apparently secretly extremely fun. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Yeah, <laughs> it had infinites and everything. Who knew? <laughs> so I would say this. like, So when Gears of War dropped on the Xbox 360, that was my definite killer app. That was definitely the software I needed to get for the new machine. And uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, something I also need to kind of bring up uh, and something that I also appreciate about Gears of War 5. Though I can't really experience it right now because I'm getting it on PC. So when 
I do my review, remember my review is coloured with the PC experience, not on the console. So, one thing is, uh, Gears of War 1 was probably some of the best couch two-player split-screen I've had in a long time. And especially with, it's very simple, it's a rudimentary mechanic, don't get me wrong. But also at the same time, it's like, what it excels in is it does something simple and it does it perfectly. Like, uh, just that cover-based shooter system, which, I mean... Yeah, we can go on and say like the third-person perspective was perfected or maybe invented elsewhere. But I would say Gears of War nailed it. But mm-hmm. also, more importantly, it had one of the most, f- the best mini-games of all time, which is your action reload. Oh yes, I remember that, yeah. And it's like, I would say, like it came to a point where it, especially, if, I mean, a lot of you Gears heads out there, right? when you got that down to muscle memory and when you were doing nothing but just getting free ammo uh, on the on perfect reloads as you snipe people. Or like, like extra bonus damage from those yeah, active Yeah, you know bullets, what I mean? Yeah. So basically, it's like, it's such a cute little thing that actually provided so much incentive. And I will also say this, right? I mean, I've mentioned on the podcast several times, I'm not a fan of story, but the story of Mark and Dom as they tear through Terra trying to fight off the Locusts, I was slightly intrigued. <laughs> In a way, that would be considered one of video games' best romances ever. The one of the best the romances? Between, yeah, the romances, yeah. You know, like the whole partnership, like how they go through all this shit. Even better from, than oh, Ryu and three. Ken, are you going to say <laughs> Okay, we'll see. I, it's debatable, it's debatable. Uh, so Ryu and Ken is still up there? Have uh, you seen the fan art yet? <laughs> no, we don't want to. No, I don't want to see that. No, thank you very much. Have that you seen Marcus so. pregnant on DeviantArt? No. Oh my god. <laughs> Leave that shit oh, alone. Don't <laughs> God, Wait, Santiago's the dad now? Yes. <laughs> no, stop. Uh, okay, so, uh, I don't know. How about you? What was your early experience with Gears of War? I guess it was just me buying the Xbox 360 back in Canada for Viva Piñata and maybe Crackdown back in the day. Mm. But at the same time, Gears just happened to be like there like an afterthought, just, you know, checking it out. And then after seeing that Mad World trailer, the one with that uh, Donnie Darko song that... Oh, long time ago with Greg Proof's doing the announcing yeah yeah, we should do a re- like a retrospective review on that game it actually still kind of holds up if you can find a system to play it on yeah 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 and at the same time yeah that, that ad actually just be like oh, okay let's see what, what we can go with this game and everything and after playing it through I wasn't really impressed because everything was just so grey and blue and whatnot. but for so Gears of War detailed. or Mad World uh, first first Gears of War Gears mm. of War okay so I mean, at the same time Maybe it was be. I think I, I was okay at the game. Played it with friends, played co-op and everything. Then came part two, which was about 2008. <laughs> That's when I started getting into Gears of War because, oh, it's more color now. Oh, we're in a snow planet, snow area in Sarah. Oh, you get to mm. fight in a giant riftworm. And yeah, all these crazy scenarios here and there. I mean, don't get me wrong. Gears set the stage. But I think it was part two that made me really give a shit about Gears of War. I mean, like, do you know what really sold me about Gears of War 2? What? You can ride a Brumac? Yes. <laughs> that was crazy, dude. Dude, like, that sounds awesome. On that thing, yes. Like, Wait. Whether you're on a tank or a giant freaking monster from the Locust, that was really Who's awesome. Who's also dude. a tank. Yes. Right, literally. <laughs> and also, I mean, I did also kind of appreciate them expanding the lore and the universe by introducing all the other characters. Who just gets killed off anyway. So, yeah. yeah. But I mean, at, least, at least Coltrane lives on. Actually, one of he has to live on. No, he had his moment. Was it in part two? It was part two. Uh, it was he, had part his three. he had his moment in part oh, three. Damn it. Okay, who had his moment in part two? Oh, Dom. Dom part and two his... is Dom. Yeah, Dom, Dom and the wife story. Wife. 
yes. Like, when did he get married? Why did he get married? The world's at war. Who has time for romance? He kind of mentioned that in the first game, I remember. And then part two was like, oh, it turns out that my wife was, the wife was still alive. Holy shit. I mean, do so, you... I mean, do you remember, like, I think it was, I don't know if it was Cliff Blasinski or maybe one of the writers who tried to tell us during, I think, E3, it was like, this game is gonna make you cry. I didn't cry. I giggled my ass <laughs> off, man. I'm sorry, it was so cringe and oh, so Oh, you mean the old forced. yellow moment, was it? Yeah, I was like, oh, like, the, the, I'm you sorry, know, baby! You know, you know what would have been amazing, though? What? If we could have pulled the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could have been a prompt, you know? I mean, that would have made it more impactful for people, you know? Pull trigger to shoot wife. <laughs> I mean, we need that in all pay games. Pay respects, yes. Uh, pr- <laughs> press F to pay respects. No, press pull trigger to shoot wife. Yes. <laughs> that can improve every game. Yeah, Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> but that I mean, emotional or the humorous pathos, depending on which side of the spectrum you're in. You know. Mm, I mean, I don't know. I mean, also what I kind of mentioned, like especially Gears of War One and Part Two, is like it was also the spectacle. It was like the thing is, as much as cutscenes annoy me. If cutscenes are done well, they do hold my attention. And especially how over the top and full of bravado and machismo. It was like pure 80s action. It was like, I would say, um, especially the fact that how it leads up perfectly to set pieces. Because I think one of the best things about Gears and the people who designed the game and the story around it is that it entices you to play the game. Like compared to something like Call of Duty where, okay, here's some political section or here's some action set piece where you don't feel involved. Whereas... There was something about the cutscenes and something about the intermission moments between the stages that led you into the action that kind of drove you a little bit. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. How to say. It was still in like Marcus's and Dom's perspective because yeah. you are in this company, you're trying to get basically uh Marcus has to get out of jail, has to get out, fight a bunch of locusts, mm. get through a runaround, everything, see your commander get killed by a pretty badass <laughs> last boss, Ram. God bless Ram. It was actually a fun boss to fight, you know. Fr- frustrating Dude, if you knew fun. if you knew the glitch, eh, very easy to kill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, killing is- him. Yeah, I had trouble with insane mode, dude. Like this one hit kill from everything he threw. Dude, I got him out. no, all you need is the crossbow. Okay, never mind. Oh no yeah, more- the torque, the torque, yeah, yeah. The torque right, crossbow right. and basically you need to know how where to stand exactly. Yeah. So Oh but- speaking of which, the weaponry in this game. I mean, yeah, who would have thought that a gun and a cro- and a chainsaw when you combine it together can be something not quite practical in real life, but just so awesome to use in an actual game. Uh they did it back in the nineties in Doom, sir. I don't know, but this one, like, gun <laughs> and a chainsaw combined together. No, like, I mean, but I understand weapon. what you're talking about. It's yeah. basically, oh, Doom has a chainsaw and a cool gun. Put them together. Oh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you're crafting. Simple, basic man concepts combined together. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, I did kind of enjoy the very over-the-top visceral feeling of chainsawing some guy in the face. Or maybe just slicing them in half. But, I mean, when it comes to the mother of all guns, and I think it's... I mean, I give props to uh, where props is due. The first time you... Uh, activate the hammer of dawn. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> and you just see a full crazy laser from a satellite power raining down fire and brimstone on all those before you. It's like, this is extremely satisfying, yeah. especially during that goddamn berserker fight, yo. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, speaking of the bosses, besides Ram, that berserker, yes. fuck that. <laughs> uh, but then again, um, I would say this, uh, it's not a great game it's not a perfect game but it's something that plays to its strengths it knows what it does it knows what it does well and it manages to kind of uh, up the ante a little bit in part 2 which I thoroughly would replay all over again if you ask me if I could get a working Xbox 360 Uh, in fact 
Or you could just get the trilogy. I think there's like the master collection for PC. I know. And also, I mean, okay, uh, this will harken a little bit to the review later. But since Gears of War 5 is out on Steam, hey, put the rest of it on Steam. (laughs) Okay, because here's one thing. I mean, okay, this will, I don't want to color the review too much later, but I'll definitely also mention this right now. Gears of War on mouse and keyboard is a totally different experience. In fact, it's way more efficient to do dive shotgun in multiplayer with keyboard and mouse. Just saying. So, uh, man, then we need to also kind of mention the downfall, do we? I don't know. Uh, okay, maybe we can talk about the third game a little bit before the downfall. Like, yeah. I guess the third game just ended things. It it brought us to a hotel for last stage. Or so it awesome, seems. Yes. <laughs> I <laughs> or, don't know. you know, and, you know, that actually did end the whole bromance between, like, Marcus and Dom, which is... Because they killed off Dom. Spoilers. I know. <laughs> he dies like driving a, a truck because yes. he's Mexican. <laughs> they actually incorporated the damn music from one of the trailers. It's crazy stuff, yeah. Dude, they tried to make you cry in the second one. They really tried to make you cry in the third one. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. guess what? I giggled my ass off too. Of course, Santiago <laughs> dies. Nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he killed his wife. He deserves to die. <laughs> but if anything, I would say Gears of War three was kind of disappointing. It's like it didn't feel like an escalation as like if you want to compare the jump from one to two, it felt like two point five or like a nice little. You know, like it didn't really peak. It's like stayed around the same level. Per yeah, se. it kind of plateaued at two, and it's. I mean, it played to its strengths again, which is, I think, you know, maybe was this around the time where Cliff Buzinski was kind of losing interest in the franchise and trying to. Uh, he only lost interest in the next game. For the third one, he really wanted to just finish. Go the for game the bang rate. Yeah. He, me- he did mention like in two thousand five or six that he wanted to make Gears a trilogy to finish yeah. it off. You know, like from which the whole is... story with the Adam- with uh, Marcus Phoenix's dad, like. Up to mm. the third game, you know. So. I mean, but to me also, I mean, this is why I would say that this is the start of the downfall because he was definitely less interested in creating an interesting game with good mechanics. For me, what I felt uh, definitely hurt part three was an overemphasis on the story and trying to complete things and round things off instead of trying to take the action to a whole new level. I mean, they introduced a couple of new guns. And I think you can ride a mech in this one, the silverback. That was just one level. When Which isn't tilts. that great. No, I mean, like, compared to a broomack? Uh, yeah, probably not. No, no, I don't no. know. I mean, the like, silverback was kind of fun, but also kind of clunky. You know, I kind of understood the fact that, yes, he's inspired by the Aliens movie. What video game wasn't? Yes. <laughs> you know? But, like, okay, it was an opportunity for us to go ahead and, you know, get away from her, you bitch. But also, at the same time, I would say that Gears 3 was definitely, I think, Cliff Blazinski was probably approaching more of an auteur status because he had so much success with part 1 and part 2. But it also kind of added to the hubris because if you do recall the amount of groans everybody had when he appeared at E3 with that uh, machine gun chainsaw. What was it called again? Oh, Lancer. Lancer. No, and, with the Lancer. And it, it, like, remember that particular E3? He came yes. out like, yeah, Gears of War 3 and nobody cared. <laughs> oh, I think that was one time Ice-T Ice came out for that particular E3 as well. Like, mispronouncing Hordebone and everything and just for a cheap pop because uh, he was starring in the game so. but he's like no I'm sorry his full name is Ice Motherfucking Team Motherfucking Team <laughs> <laughs> original gangster stage, though, so, original yeah. player <laughs> he's a gamer too man this guy's annoying yeah um, but also at the same time I would say uh, I don't know I mean I, I got nothing against Cliff Bozinski at all and I did understand that he would later try to I don't know, lightning in a bottle again with maybe... What was that game after that? Bulletstorm, right? Uh, Bulletstorm with People Can Fly. That was a different studio. Not no, so I think 
but it was that was Blazinski, right? Yeah, it was Blazinski leading the project, but and yeah, can fly or like the makers more or less. And also at the same time, it also felt like here's a man who kind of forgot what he was good at, because if you're if the selling point of your game is nut shots, you have no idea what gamers want. <laughs> I'll say that for a fact. It was like, uh, yeah, I mean, this is cute and all, but like, do you know why Gears of War One was so good? And why Gears of War 2 was such an improvement that it convinced a lot of us to stick with this franchise and how... I wouldn't say, like, he turned his back on us, but he's like, I think he kind of lost the plot a little bit. He's kind of not sure what kind of game he wants to make. I yeah. mean, i.e., I think the biggest example of this was, I think, two years ago, Lawbreakers, was it? Or a year ago? I mean, Lawbreakers, I wouldn't say it was a cash grab, sad attempt at trying to write I mean, that he Overwatch really wave. to make a game like that, but problem mm. is, I guess he didn't know how to pitch it, he didn't know... Nah, what I mean, wanted, I guess. it wasn't just that. It was also the fact that, like, Overwatch was still king of the hill at that point in time. And this is still even was. before. I mean, yeah, it still is probably one of the most. It's still the, the most played, I think, team based shooter, second to, like, Team Fortress 2, which is still entering its third decade or something by now. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. But also, I would also say, like, I know Cliff Lisinski was that guy who I felt was. He was. He's like Michael Bay. He does have artistic vision, he does have creativity, and he does know how to entertain people. But I think he's also the kind of developer who's struggling with his uh, artistic nature or his need to create. Like, I would also compare him to something like Zack Snyder, where you saw the potential very early, but then the thing is, once you lob on the fame and the success, they have no idea what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, and I'm not saying he's like full-blown Kojima, who clearly has lost his mind. <laughs> Seeing as how Death Stranding is going to be launching really soon, and we have yeah, still no idea what the game's left. about. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> really? I, I think mean, my it... only my only prediction for the game is you're a courier, you're connecting worlds. That's it, and people are hunting you down. This is my pr- prediction for that game. People, it's gonna suck, and nobody wants to admit it because everybody's <laughs> such a fanboy. Yeah, I, I can imagine <laughs> the initial reviews would be like nines or tens, and then after four or five months. Maybe this game isn't as hot as I thought it would be. No, it's gonna be like it's gonna have those amazing Metacritic kind of like nine for critics. Everybody else, five, yeah. six. This guy made Metal Gear. Are you sure he made Metal Gear? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also at the same time, let's not uh, predict too early. Maybe it's a masterpiece. Maybe it's the best thing. Maybe it'll change the way you look at games forever. We don't know. Kojima has done. A lot of crazy work. things, yes. Mm-hmm. They're never yeah. boring. Thankfully. He might pull this off. I don't know. Maybe secretly it is a Metal Gear. We just did, he just didn't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. He has that kind of clout, I guess, nowadays. Ah, oh, man. So speaking of clout and speaking of artists kind of uh, losing the plot, you want to briefly talk about the spin-off game? <laughs> I don't know if we should. Okay, um, so Bert has his own game. It's kind of like a Gears of War. That's all you need to but yeah, we're Coltrane. Yeah, so if you are a completionist and you want to, like, you know, it's a kind of a prequel. Yeah, which... I think it happens uh, before Gears 1 and technically Gears 3 because that's like a prequel campaign and then once you finish that, you get a good score through arcade mode. Then you got, like, uh, the I think the chapter before Gears of War 3 or something. Like, yeah. what happens after to find out what the hell happened to your previous partners and then some of the mission to help. Marcus and Dom in the future or some shit. I mean a lot of people call this the bookends game because basically it fills in the, the blanks for before part 1 and after part 3 something like that yeah so yeah. Like, it's like your brackets to the actual content of the whole Gears the early 4 games franchise uh, I mean okay there is a 4 which is technically a, it's a semi soft reboot kinda <laughs> It's the, like what, 20, 30 years later after Gears 3? Yeah, that's pretty you much know, it. 
And it basically is like, oh, it, uh, apparently uh, we were successful in part three. And just like those uh, shitty Star Wars movies that are going to turn out again, it's like, but there's a new threat, apparently, who, yeah, has, the exact, people, yes. who has the exact same idea. <laughs> Except like, they just have a different title. Now, we're not calling them the Locusts, we're calling them the Swarm now. Okay, yeah, like, oh, it's not the Empire, is what, the New Order? What? The new oh, order, but they're yes. doing the exact same thing, they're just going to blow up planets again? Why? Yeah. And then, like, this, the, the Swarm is like, oh, they're just going to come out from the ground? Yep, and there's gonna Where did they everyone. start from? <laughs> from the s- how did they? Get- Why do aliens from the sky decide to go underground, create a civilization, and then attack the surface? Isn't it a bit counterintuitive? I don't know. Let's not question the the storytelling or the plot dynamics of the people behind. I think the this was revealed in the fifth game, or more or less in the end, which we can't talk about because we're saving it for review. Yes, because we can. like I'm pretty sure you have a lot to discuss about the story points. It's like. Wait, what? <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep. So let's talk about part four quickly. It came out twenty. It, it's set in the timeline twenty years after part three. Yep, and here it, I believe it came out around two thousand sixteen when the Xbox One, I guess, was still around. I don't think that many people bought it compared to the three sixty. Yeah. So I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Gears of War four. Oh man, such a mouthful. Gears of four. Yeah, Gears I just say Gears four. Yeah. So Gears four came out at that weird time when. Xbox One did not make the splash it needed to make, especially this was also very close to the like it was early. It's an, it's an early launch game or a year after. It's like a few years after. I mm. think the Xbox One came out in 2013. 14. Yeah, it was 13. Yeah, I remember getting it around that time. So I would say, like I still don't own one, and <laughs> I made it a point to buy every single console since the Atari. But yeah, the Xbox One is the one console I have not bought yet because I haven't found no reason to. Yeah, because. All your exclusives were either cancelled or was probably the same thing that came out on the Xbox 360. This was like a new coat of paint. Yeah. Ergo, Gears of War 4. I believe... I mean, sure, they did make some slight adjustments here and there, some new weapons, but at the same time, it feels like part 2 and like a part 3 rethread, just with new characters and yeah. a new... Ov- uh, you know, overarching plot or something. I mean, I would use this as the uh, example when I make that very gregarious statement that yes, cutscenes don't sell a game. People want gameplay. You gotta improve on things or make things better or, you know, in- incorporate some new mechanic or something and it doesn't try anything new. I mean, it, it did introduce some enemies like the Snatchers and the Pouncers. Yeah, but I mean, like in terms of, I mean, in terms of firepower, gameplay, or just maybe like, you know, maneuverability because it's still the same uh, run to wall, press button to stick to it. And also at the same time, it's like, uh, I wouldn't say it's Gears of War Burnout, but other games had come out by then and this game kind of felt like uh, stuck in the past a little bit. You know, I mean, as much as they tried to refresh the game with a new coat of paint, and exactly what you said, like, okay, new characters, new storylines, maybe Marcus is back, who knows, hmm, yep. hint, hint, wink, wink, nobody cares. But, like, I think gamers had already progressed by then, because, I mean, if you imagine 2016, what else we were playing? So this feels like very old hat. This feels like, okay, this game is in its, like, it's entering its first deck. It's, it's entering the last part of its first decade, and it's like, well, it doesn't seem to be doing anything new, hence part five. Which we mentioned very soon, but let's like quickly finish off our retrospective. Actually, the funny thing about what you mentioned, like when Gears of War, the first one came out, there were so many other companies trying to make their own clones here and there. Mm. But and then the even funnier part is one of those clones did manage to actually supersede Gears of War in terms of like popularity, storytelling, action, ev- evolution of the gameplay. I and mean, well, you know which one I'm talking about, right? And what would that be? Uncharted. Bingo. That, yeah, there you go. Like, of course, people did not remember the first game at all. I mean, we played it, but 
I guess it was leading to something great, and then part two, two came out, and then part three and part four improved a lot of things further on. It just branched away, still kept the whole cover mechanic, but at the same time made mm. Drake, Nathan Drake, and his characters a bit more nimble to fight, making more agile and stuff. You know, I like mean, I would say also this, uh, especially when it comes to game design, storytelling, and character development. I also want to use. I mean, Uncharted is actually a very good comparison because if you have somebody like Nathan Drake who's totally Charming and totally like you know. I mean, he's such an affable guy. Like you, you can't help but just roll with the punches with him yeah, and yeah. like follow him on his adventures. Whereas Gears of War, it started out as this over-the-top like meathead action movie, but it decided to get sensitive and then try to like humanize the characters, which is kind of weird because it feels like no, no, no. We want the expendables. Yeah. We want just guys to blow shit up. We want it to be fun, dumb, and over the top. And, and the first three games did that, but at the same time, yeah, yeah I know what you mean. That was like it creates this that. weird narrative where it's like it felt like maybe because part two was designed to make you cry, but it instead made us all cringe, and it became that personal challenge within the team to be like, okay, okay, we need to be able to nail story or whatever. And I'm not saying that they overlooked the gameplay. I mean, I can't really tell for sure because none of us were in the studio when they were working on this. But like when you want to compare it to something like Nathan Drake, and then, okay, like you know, just the thing about Nathan Drake, he's literally an Indiana Jones archetype. You just the more shit you throw at him, the more things go wrong, and the more he tries to like excel at certain situations. Even if you throw in the love interest and everything, I mean, he's such. I would say he, he's just adorable. You yeah, know what I mean? You can relate to someone like yeah. that. okay, maybe not the grave robbing part, but everything else around it. Yeah. No, he's a he's an archaeologist. These things belong in a museum. <laughs> Wait, wrong character. I'm yeah. sorry. No, but like again, it's like like if only. I mean, I don't know if this would have. Uh, I won't say it would have saved the franchise per se, but like when it comes to Gears of War, right? I wanted to recapture the tonality of the first one. Like the second one decided to go down this dark story path, you know, with very depressing elements, and part three decided to kind of like you it know, just follows up on that. Yeah, and, you know, with the with uh, Marcus's death. But imagine and- if it just got even more wackier. Like imagine if Gears of War two story wise was like Gremlins two, where it just went full on batshit wacky, and it'll be like, s- like you know, yeah. I mean, it, it it's a game that unfortunately, as strange as it sounds, decided to take itself too seriously. I actually, I kind of wish that Mecha Battle, the fourth game, was actually in the third game somehow. Like those giant pi- robots. Yeah, those was, that was fun, right? Surprisingly. Yeah, it was kind of fun, yes. Why didn't they put that in the third game? Was it the tech issue or something? I don't think so. I mean, good, maybe yeah. it was something they were working on and then they could finally only pull it off by the fourth game. But I think also you have to understand, by the fourth game, uh, yeah, I would say Gears of War had run its course. I think that's the safest thing to say because we had graduated onto other things. Because for a lot of like just even say kids of that era who grew up on Gears of War One, they are definitely matured and progressed onto other things. And they want time, something like highbrow, but yet at the same time, hmm. kind of evolve in terms of like shooting and stuff. True that, and if, if you sort of understand, if you look at the current trend of how shooters are, right? I mean, when like even before the battle royals, when it was the team-based games or whatsoever, right? It also kind of felt like, especially on a console, like you you could not ignore the fact that modern warfare. And the Call of Duty series in general, and then later its uh, counterpart, like uh, I'm not say counterpart, its rival Battlefield and whatsoever, that became the new thing because everybody kind of lost interest in the space over the top fantasy shooter, and were like, okay, it's all about real guns, real time, real warfare, and that trend actually had quite a run before it decided to run out of steam. So I mean, 
People are still playing those games up to those now. Those games, actually, yeah. people still may play Modern Warfare. People still play COD Four or to even this Counter Strike day. for that matter. Okay, Counter Strike is not the same Counter Strike, but that's another podcast for another time. Yeah, but also at the same time, you're like, uh, I, I mean, you see where I'm coming from, right? It yes, felt yes. like Gears of War was a game that was. I would say stars aligned. It came out at the perfect time before anything else could interfere with the shine. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, now for a, a legacy game like this, I mean, I even look at Halo and I feel the exact same way. It's like you want to create another Halo game now in this day and age, and you see the competition. Yeah, are you, you have sure? To blow our minds more or less because exactly if it's gonna be something like Halo Five, yeah, tough shit, dude, tough shit. So I mean, like, I mean, this is definitely the premise for the review because. Last King fans. So you're all probably wondering how what we think about Gears of War 5. Yep, and it's come to this. It's come to this. So it's come to this. So maybe we start with you. What do you think? I thought, again, this is still the same game I kind of played back in, part, back in the Xbox 360 days with a new skin of paint. Except you could tell that the team, the coalition, were really trying their best to make this game shine, per se. Mm. Like, don't get me wrong. I had fun in the campaign. I had fun with the PvE a lot. But at the same time, you cannot get that niggling feeling away that, hey, this is basically part one, two, and three kind of combined like a best hits kind of package but with a fresh face and a new enemy and a new antagonist coming in. Mm. But at the same time, I appreciate some of the boss fights. I kind of like some of the open world bits that they I tried to put in this game. Yeah, they're open world bits now in this game. Yeah. And the PvE, yeah, I had the most fun with the game when I'm actually playing with other people in horde mode and the new escape mode. So for those who don't know what the escape mode is, it's basically the three of you have to basically start from the center of a stage, get out like through different, like three, four different stages of a maze. And the maze is going to get filled by poison gas and you kind of need to get out before your entire team dies. So yeah, basically you start out weaponless or maybe with a pistol or something and then you kind of have to find weapons, you have to avoid enemies, find the exit. And again, the levels you come across, yeah, different skins. But they're kind of procedurally... They're, they're basically random maps. Random so kind maps of like here. the roguelike element that nobody asked for, but here it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And believe me, it's actually kind of fun. If you're into the whole, like, uh, if you need something a little different from the Call of Duties and whatnot. Like, I would sure. say, yeah, it also provides a very decent endgame to a story that kind of... Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, for me, I do enter new... Like, I was kind of entering Gears of War 5 thinking, okay, we've already... Did, it's like... The thing at the back of my head was, didn't we say all we needed to say with Gears of War 3? Yes. What else do we need to do with this franchise? And the fact of the matter is, I mean, there's also that I would say, I mean, Microsoft owns the brand. They do own the license to these characters, to this universe. I know Chris Basinski has no stick in it whatsoever. Nope. Uh, it's yeah. still, uh, it's a different team called the Coalition. Who yeah. Runs and it. I also totally understand the fact that when it comes to something, when it comes to something as simple as brand recognition, releasing a Gears of War title at any point of time will garner some attention. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that attention also needs to be, uh, I would say, <sighs> When you release a Gears of War game, you need to really recapture what it is that sold the first game and definitely the second game. And you really need to pay attention to why the third game kind of felt a little bit disappointing, why the next one was lackluster, and why part 4 didn't quite hit the mark. And it's exactly the same reasons we were mentioning just now. This is a game of its time, and for you to release something like that in this day and age, you have to know what exactly what you're stacked up against. And I totally agree that 
I mean, especially with uh, the reference you made to Uncharted. Like, yes, we can definitely see the influence of some of a game like Uncharted, especially in Gears of War 5 with the open world aspect. But it doesn't have the exploration that is included with the Uncharted. It's basically an open world. Uh, not, not, I wouldn't even say open world is the truest way to describe it's it. It's like basically going from one end of a stage to the other on a skiff. That's yeah. it. That's all you're doing. You're just going from one area to the other. Because yeah. there are no enemies on the you know on the snow or on it's the just desert. basically transit in between yes. corridors because yes. it's like everybody recalls Gears of War as run run corridor run run corridor whereas this one feels like corridor this weird moment which is like, it's nice to look at but like I want to shoot things now there yeah. might be occasions you do but or at least shoot time, things when you're on the skiff we really yeah. don't do that unfortunately I mean there was one segment in the desert where you're avoiding shit but that's it that's it's like wasted potential to be honest. I mean, like, yeah. if you think about it this way, it's like there were moments in part two where like, you know, they, it, it wasn't open world, but definitely uh, moments in between action, uh, like the, the corridor action sections where you're riding a broomac or you're on a train. or you're Yeah, like, like people like f- don't really like turret sections, but this game, Gears of War 2, actually It's designed those... for turret sections, yeah, because yeah, especially like... on a controller. I mean, it's the perfect... W- it's uh, like a but, reward yeah. after, you know, going through all the corridors, avoiding tickers or finding in... T- tight spaces and stuff. You get this reward, you know, like kill things freely with unlimited yeah. bullets and shit. Yeah. I mean, it's it's something that exists in a lot of video games and it works for a reason. But I mean, I would say this. Gears of War 5 had its heart in the right place. It decided to uh, create a game that I would say it didn't... It, it did try to stay true to what 1, 2, and 3 is in terms of pacing, in terms of action, and in terms of, I would say, gameplay. Unfortunately, like my complaint is exactly the complaint I made about Part 3 and all the other games after that. This is a game that kind of feels like it's trying to take itself a little too seriously and that's not what I want in a Gears game. I want dumb, over-the-top, yes. over set-pieces, action, killing giant monsters. Everything needs to be super apocalyptic but hella fun. Whereas this game is like, it kind of latched on too much to the, I would say, the dramatic tone of the last few games. Where it's kind of, it's trying to create this kind of post-apocalyptic wartime scenario where everybody is just living in dread and despair. Whereas like the first one, there were hints of it, but it's like Marcus Phoenix didn't GAF. Mm-hmm. You know, Dom was definitely like the perfect right hand man because he would just egg you on and like convince you, yep, we need to drive through all of that or we need to kill all of that. And I would say this, uh, in terms of tonality in Gears of War 5, I'm not really a fan of the new characters and I'm not really a fan of what it's trying to do with uh, the narrative. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I'm going to... Re- I'm not going to rate the game based on that whatsoever. But I mean, but the thing is, I have to sit through this in between the action sequences. Now, the action sequences are probably some of the best in a long time. These are some of the best uh, corridors and set pieces I've played. I would say not up. it's up there with probably Gears of War 1 not quite Gears of War 2 level of holy shit, this is awesome. But it's still very serviceable. Like, I think yes. this is like the step in the right direction for exactly. the coalition. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the gameplay in this game and I also do appreciate the kind of open world segments. I mean, to me, it felt more narrative driven. It just wanted to cry and create a bigger world than what it actually is. But also at the same time, it's like, I mean, when it was kind of announced that this would have open, an open world, uh, I would say, feature first thing I thought in my head was you mean like GTA but Gears of War holy shit that would be so awesome if you could just travel across an entire cityscape fighting locusts 
but they couldn't deliver because yeah. it's still transitional. That's a yeah, problem. you know. Yeah. So which is why it's like whenever people drop that open world thing, right? They're using it wrongly. There's another word for it. You know what I mean? So it's a marketing spin from Xbox. It does because like the thing is, there's something very disingenuous about the fact that if you're trying to convince people that this has open world elements, and like immediately that that instinct will be, I mean, like Red Dead Redemption, but Gears of War. Holy shit, that sounds awesome! You're fighting on like you're fighting a city-sized battle constantly, and that doesn't happen. No, it's just basically open world means a uh, transport section to corridor to corridor to corridor. So. I would say that I was extremely hopeful that it would be the prior, where it's like, yeah, I, I, I was actually one of those guys thinking, it's Grand Theft Auto, but Gears of War. Holy shit, did they pull it off? And then, oh no, it's it's Gears of War. It's just, you get to kind of look at things in between yeah, you get to sections. appreciate the scenery, which at least looks pretty. It's, it's gorgeous. Cool. I mean, I agree with you. Like, the graphics, especially, I'm playing this on PC, and the thing is, yeah, this is... Pretty exceptional. I mean, Coalition, props to uh, the level designers and the people who did all the texturing and all the, I would say, the the scenery, but... Yeah, I guess my favorite still the red sand bits. Like, the mm, Act 3. Gorgeous. Yeah, I would say, this is a... Pre- I mean, if you play this in 2K, it's gobsmackingly, it's like, crazy. pretty to look at. Uh, I don't know the specifics when it's running on console. I mean, you reviewed this on console? Uh, I actually reviewed this on PC, so... Yeah, yeah so it's Which like... I mean, but did you play on the controller? Uh, yeah, I did, I did, yeah. So yeah, I'm one of those uh, <laughs> blasphemers decide to play on mouse and keyboard. And I like the thing is, I played the first Gears of War on uh, on a PC as well, on mouse and keyboard. It's a world of difference. It is. Especially yeah. when it comes to maneuverability and your ability to stick to walls perfectly. Because there's some finagling, especially when it comes to like left bumper, right bumper. I mean, there's just nothing more satisfying than sniping with a, with a mouse. <laughs> I, hate, I hate to admit it. Thumbsticks are useful. Certain situations, but especially Nothing in a high keyboard mouse, yeah, yeah, especially in a high octane game like Gears of War, especially in horde mode where you need to aim constantly. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially I mean, when those snatchers are already coming after you and you kind of have to rescue your pal who got trapped inside. Bingo, yeah. So I would say this like, so Gears of War Five, I would say it is. I would say it's like receiving an an old friend and watching him kind of go age with time. You know what I mean? It's like like that best friend from high school who visits you and he's a little bit tired, he's a little bit weary, but he's a little bit more mature. He isn't quite the same fun party guy that you remember. Like, you'll always have the good old times, but it's just nice to see him. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly the vibe I have about Gears of War 5. It's like, it's nice to know that this exists. And it's nice to know that maybe there might be a new generation of kids who's gonna pick this up and maybe look to the past and find the old games, which should be on Steam by now. Yes. Let me just ref- like let me the just- trilogy, yes, the trilogy, especially the original trilogy on Steam remastered, two K graphics on mouse and keyboard because the first Gears is available on PC and it had that bullshit extra level with the Brumark, ah right, 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 which is exclusive to the PC version. I don't know. I mean, was there ever a re-release of Gears of War One with all the content? I don't think so. Uh, right? There was actually. I remember the trilogy. I remember there was a package for this, but I'm not sure if it's the PC version or not. Mm. To look it up. Yeah. Was it like was it the console version or the PC version that was included? Probably in the, the console version. Probably the console version. Uh, missed opportunity. Actually, since you brought up highlights in part five, like what were your favorite like standout open the over the top moments that happened? Everything after uh definitely the red sands. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, it's like stuff. it felt to me like, I mean I understood when it came to 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the onboarding, in terms of like maybe you have to kind of tutorialize the first few stages for new players. And to me, like as a veteran, it felt like okay, it's more of the same. And it ramped up pretty nicely. I was like getting a little bit hectic. I was definitely like paying attention to my action reloads. I was, and it felt like I was back in like years of one days, like concentrating, uh, being able to stick to walls, diving at the right moments, like lobbying over. I mean, lobbing grenades over, jumping over barricades, and it just like when I say it, like it's like meeting an old friend again. It's like. When the memories, when you start getting nostalgic and you think about the good old days, you know what I mean? It's like it felt so right, and it felt so good and perfect. And it's it's like it's nice to know we still got. Oh, he still got it. That's exactly the the feeling and the vibe I got playing Gears of War Five. Where it's like it it does feel like it's matured, but it also still knows how to take you by surprise in ways that you know you kind of miss. I mean, I felt like. I was back in college again, and it's like this is the kind of thing like I'm I'm desperate to call my brother, ask him to come over to the couch. Like, hey, you this got a free nice time? Little family session. Yeah. There's a Gears of War five, and he's gonna be like, "There's a Gears of War five? I know, right? We gotta play it. We gotta play it because I would say it's like welcome back, old friend. Mm-hmm. That would be my definitely like th- that one sentence to kind of review Gears of War five. It's um, it's not doing anything new. It's not gonna blow anybody away. It's not gonna I would say uh, it's not gonna change the way we look at video games. Not by a long shot. But at least the ambitions are welcome at the yeah. very least. and it yes. and it and it definitely kind of still has the the shadow of Gears of War one and two. It's barely stepping out, but at least I can see a foot in the light as compared mm-hmm. to Part Four and definitely the prequel. So to me, uh, Gears of War five is if you loved one and two, give it a chance. Okay, if you really want something new something spectacular you will be disappointed if you're if you're listening to too much of the hype of the marketing and if you keep like if you're thinking that it's an open world gears game it's not okay let's let's just be brutally honest about it but if you love that good old old school big dumb gears of war action and you don't mind the kind of cringy new characters it's there (laughs) give this game a shot i would say definitely i mean for me it's a strong six upon ten. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's great junk food. I mean, it's not good for you. It's not gonna make you smarter. But goddamn, you're gonna enjoy yourself. I'm gonna give this one like maybe the generous score, like a seven out of ten. Still good mm. stuff. I kind of appreciate the additions, especially since uh, they did make Jack the forefront robot to help you out or even cloak you. I almost forgot <laughs> to mention that. Yeah, you he like finally, Jack? He finally doesn't open doors. Just open doors. He can do other stuff like stun enemies or whatnot. That's kind of fun. You know what's missing, right? A hole for you to fuck. <laughs> God, I man. had to say it. I'm sorry. Okay, where's your USB port? <laughs> also, a fan of the new weapons as well. Um, I guess we got I the claw, the giant club from the warden. Oh, the yeah, club's fun. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. The club is fun. Yes. You know, what? I mean, that's the thing. It's like I would say this: Gears of War, part one, part two. I mean, like the series in general has one of the most satisfying sound effects for a headshot yes. in the history of video games. That beautiful sound of a melon exploding kersplat when you're really hit, like when you when you're dead on with with the headshot, and it's like I would say like okay, how, how are they gonna top that? The sound they didn't, they, I think they, they still use the same sound from the they first can't top game. it. Yeah. But I would say this right in terms of the 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 new uh, uh, high, it was like the sound of the club. Ooh. Oh yeah, <laughs> when it smashes down on somebody properly, uh, like 
You know what? Whoever does the sound design, I don't know if it's the same guy, but you know what? You kind of nailed how that's supposed to sound. Uh, that yeah. visceral quality, that lovely, juicy squishiness. Yes. It's like, you know what? Yeah, th- that's what I'm saying. Gears of War, War, War 5, I think it takes from what it set out to do in the early games, or maybe it just borrowed all the best elements, laid it out, decided to wrap a new story around it with new characters, which I, I don't really care about. I, I hate to say it. It's like, I mean... Uh, not a fan of the new narrative, but the action's still there, sirs. I would mm-hmm. say it is. It is. Thankfully, that wasn't sacrificed. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, they make it totally uncharted where you get to climb things. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gears of War with parkour. What? Wait, how's that gonna work with the armor and stuff? No, you just dive across rooftops <laughs> yeah. constantly with a shotgun to propel you. Both. Oh man. I can definitely see some fans actually being. I can see, actually see some new players like maybe they like these new characters. I guess Kate and what's the other? Oh yeah, Del. Uh, Del. Del. Yeah, the black guy. The the smart black guy, more or less. Nah, I want Coltrane. I want a big dumb black guy who well, basically still around, makes choo choo like train sounds as he runs around. Yeah, we need a we need a Coltrane spinoff. We definitely. need Gears of War to make Gears of War dumb again. Make it big dumb fun. That's yes. all I want. You know, I would definitely that is the game I'll recommend. And if people are like too highbrow, too smart for it, then you don't appreciate good action, sirs. Okay, so I mean, I mean, I would say Gears of War Five. Give it a chance. Give it a yes. chance. Definitely, and especially if you're a fan of the old school games, it might reignite that 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 spark in you from back in the day. So, I would say I don't know. Should we be wrapping up this episode, sir? Yeah, I think we're done. We've pretty much said a lot about Gears of War Five or Gears Five, as it's being told. That I think they up they mm-hmm. just take away the off war thing because it was probably long in the tooth for a lot of people. I know what because I think it's bullshit SEO because GOW everybody thinks it's God of War. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you know we have to reclaim GOW for Gears of War. Yeah, yeah. We can't do that because the previous God of War, yeah, that's actually top. That's actually a really good game. So we can't beat that. I will still contest you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then again, uh, so I mean, Gears of War Five. I mean, guys, put one, two, and three on Steam. You put five on Steam, please. I mean, do the I'm, rest. You know, I don't need four. I don't need retribution. I just need one and two, one, two, and three, because I would love to re-experience those games one more time on a, in a on a different platform. Mm-hmm. Okay, if uh, you're gonna do a Gears of War six, I hope you're all listening to us. These are hardcore Gears of War fans right here. We want dumb, a, a dumb fun action game. Okay, uh, so I don't know. Let's wrap this up. Uh, this has been Crawl uh, Walker. <laughs> This has been, uh, yeah, Mr. Toffee something. Yeah, Mr. Toffee. <laughs> the hammer of Toffee. What? You missed that opportunity. I know, I know. <laughs>